What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Live Free Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Maxwell. Again, we're back in the chair, Lex. It's good to see you. Yes, it's good to see you also. Uh, happy belated birthday. Thank we, you very We did much. a happy early birthday. Yes. Happy late birthday now. Uh, how old did you turn? 28. Oh, you're such a baby. Yeah, I'm pretty young. You're such a baby. You're so lucky. Yeah. That's a good... Live it up, son. 20, dude, here I've it is. Trying to. This is the end of your uh, young adult life. This is before all the back problems and uh-huh. you're <laughs> when at the, I really have to get my shit together. Yeah, <laughs> you're at the end of your. Uh, you know, you're you're in the the peak of your summer. Yeah, the summer of your life. My prohibition period is almost up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we got Martin Machado on the show today. Uh, we're going to talk to him in a little bit. He makes some crazy stuff, and I'm sure has some pretty interesting yeah. stories. Uh, he's a uh, merchant marine. And has worked uh, fishing in Alaska, yeah. and is a pretty manly man. It seems like yes, it, it has worked some pretty fucking gnarly jobs, um, and is a really good painter and illustrator. Yeah. Um, so I read up on him. He's in, based out of San Francisco, right? Is that yeah, correct. Yeah, but like his art, I get a Seattle vibe of like the marketplace in uh-huh. Seattle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so weird, but I guess that's from the Alaska stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah, because yeah. similar the similarities there. Yeah, so we'll get into all that. Um, I just got back from L.A. We were up there uh, this week. I started filming uh, for the first video um, installment of the podcast. I did, uh, we went, me and uh, Charles Page went up and filmed some stuff with um, Johnny Comanzi Rodriguez, Mm -hmm. who was on the show, I think, three years ago. Uh, one of the well, Mike Giant has been a repeat guest a bunch yes. of times, but I think this is the only time we've had another repeat guest besides like our uh, wisest wizard stuff. That yeah, yeah. Um, so we went up, we did a full interview, we sat down and did like uh, like uh, Barbara Walters style interview, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then got a bunch of footage of him in the gallery, setting nice. up his stuff. So that will be coming out soon. There'll be a full podcast for that. I'm gonna put out the the podcast interview mm-hmm. uh, or put out the Barbara Walters interview as a podcast. Okay. Uh, it's a little shorter than our normal ones, but yeah. um, it, it should be pretty cool. And then there'll be like a little 10 minute mini documentary. Sweet. And so that's the goal. Uh, so as like artists who have been on the show um, have like things that are coming up, mm-hmm. we will uh, set up little mini docs do a, a secondary yeah. podcast and then um, put out a big like multimedia multimedia conglomerate. We're building a. Uh, you know that's cool. That's like the whole uh, what is it like the digipack like CD with the documentary on filming uh-huh. the record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's totally cool. It's like get, going up to the show. Uh huh. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be nice. This the first one, so it's really trial by fire, mm-hmm. trying to figure everything out, and uh, see if we can put something cool out there. And then I figure since we're already getting like a strain, like a different type of background on the artists who have been on the show, yeah, uh, it might be cool to even add more to that, like add the visual element back into the audio. You know what I mean? Since we've been like subtracting stories from people, yes. extracting, yeah, you know, add the visuals for people who are. You know, interested yeah. in that, so they can put like, and it could be little trailers for the podcast too. Like, if you see, if you want to watch the ten minute video, you might be interested enough to go in and listen to the full forty five minute yeah. interview or whatever. So, uh, that's coming up, and then I'm sure everybody who has 
listen to the show will be interested to uh, check that out. Um, make sure you go follow everybody. We haven't, I haven't done any of the like, um, go follow this. You know, I still that. get follows every, like the last two, like since we started doing this again, like uh-huh. when I'm producing, like I've been getting new followers. I'm like, this is sweet. Yeah, nice. I feel important. <laughs> you are important, man. You are. You're very important. So um, make sure you go follow Producer Lex at Producer Lex. Follow the podcast at Live Free Podcast. And you can follow me at Mike Maxwell Art. And uh, we'll get all of Martin's uh, info at the end of this show. Um, so let's jump right into this thing. What do you think? Let's do it. Sound good? All right. Let's give Martin a call. Hello? Mr. Martin Machado. What's up, my friend? Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, it's uh, it's nice to meet you in this weird digital form. I don't know. We've never crossed yeah. paths in real life, have we? No, I, I actually stopped by your show, so I've seen your work in person and just kind of gave you like a, a hello nod, <laughs> but I didn't know you. So. Via the work? How, that's such an interesting thing, how you can kind of get yeah. like a sense for somebody but through a painting. Because you know it's something that they've spent a, a significant amount of time around, you know? Or like yeah. there's the blood, sweat, and tears in it, so you kind of like, it's almost like an extension of a person. Do you ever mm-hmm. feel like that with your own stuff? I. I think it's only like from the viewer's perspective. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hope you can kind of like live through your it's an extension of you. Yeah. I was Grow. just, I don't know if you ever get this feeling or not, but I was just at um, Mary Kurnowski's gallery uh, on Tuesday and she had a group show up in this little side room and I was looking at a bunch of people's paintings. And I don't know if I've talked about this on the show or not, but I've definitely talked to some of my art friends about it. Like how, Sometimes you look at other people's paintings and it just seems like a completely different like art form. Like paint looks different when other people apply it to things. Like let's say you give two people the same exact paint supplies and mm-hmm. they both apply a painting, like both talented artists to, you know, a canvas or a board or whatever. If you look at the two, it'll be like as if the actual mediums are different. Have you ever hmm. sensed that, like looking at work, like looking at other people's work in comparison to your own? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I suppose everyone has a different technique and way of applying and working with paint. That, and that makes me feel like it's totally alien, right? Like completely yeah. different, like it's not even paint. Like I know it's paint and I know the techniques <laughs> and the, the thing that, you know, everything that they use, but it seems like something completely different. And I don't know if I'm even like articulating it properly. But it's really like a sense that, especially, I get it with um, the oil painters who can paint uh, very detailed works, but they seem flat as glass. Uh-huh. Like it almost seems printed, but like it doesn't even seem like there's brush strokes on it. You know, like I look at those types of paintings and I'm like, this isn't even, it's not even fucking paint. <laughs> like, it, like it's some other substance. <sighs> Am I, yeah. Maybe I'm the only one. Maybe, you know, I don't know. Um, <laughs> so I think I I first became familiar with your stuff I think through fecal face probably, uh-huh. which is like, you know, a common phrase that comes out of my mouth maybe. Yeah, yeah. Most of my, I mean, I first started showing photos with them, just um like travel log stuff, just blogs about shipping and and all that, and then I try to kind of start sneaking paintings in there and you know. Well, did you grow up that. in the Bay Area? Yeah, I grew up in San Jose in the South Bay. Okay. 
And then I've been up here in San Francisco for about 10 years. I came up for grad school at SFAI and, and stuck around. You had art in your life at, at an early age, I assume? To Yeah, I mean, I grew up doing it, um, I guess like any little kid. And then it just kind of was something I did more on the side. And um, I ended up, you know, sort of transferring from one school where I was doing oceanography. I went to Miami in Florida for a year. And I, you know, it's kind of a boring story, but I had to transfer and be a junior when I was a sophomore. And I had all these credits from taking night classes in high school and like art stuff and video and TV just to make like skate videos with my friends. And I was able to, I was able to be a junior art major. So that was sort of the decision maker when I made the switch and uh, just kind of started to think about it as a possible career, you know, but still always used other jobs to really make the bills pay the bills and everything yeah that's something i want to get into too like your uh your career path has been uh mm-hmm. been interesting and it has sort of been the uh precipice for your artwork as well yeah in some ways which you know that's something i've been thinking about a lot like um the way uh some artists are able to really implement the things that happen in their life into a visual medium of some sort um, and really give a pretty solid representation of their sort of day-to-day lifestyle or maybe like, you know, their yearly lifestyle. Um, and I think that's something sort of commendable. I think it's something that I lack in my own work. Like it's so like metaphorical that like the, the connections are lost in the depth of the metaphor, whereas I, I see some people are able to, you, you know, utilize certain imagery, certain um, uh, ideas, certain uh, images that really do represent their life or even lifestyle. Um, mm. Did you set out to, to make that path? Uh, or is you know, was it something that was just like, you know, a part of your life, so it just became a part of the work? Yeah, yeah, no, it took some time. I mean, I was, um, I'd always kind of done part-time work like on boats. I started out working on like sailboats, like a tall ship was my first one. And then just like modern charter boats and that led to commercial fishing. But I wasn't that whole time. I wasn't really making art about the sea. I just, I think, um, it took me a little while to, to wrap my brain around trying to do that. But, uh, you know, just cause there's so much sort of cheesy sea art. And I think kind of com- growing up in the nineties, I think you sort of have like a, I don't know. It seemed like juxtapose kind of back then and that that sort of like kind of cynical art was sort of what I looked at as a kid you know I guess yeah so um I don't know if that makes sense but anyways you know it took a while and then um I remember looking at like uh the land artists you know from like the 60s and 70s like Richard Long and Andy Goldsworthy and and thinking about how like with Richard Long like his traveling would be his art you know his like walking across some massive land and I thought like oh maybe I could be the sea artist you know like (laughs) like like my journey would sort of be but you know I I never really was a huge fan of his like physical work um so I sort of always had more of an aesthetic interest like you know to painters and um work that was a little less visually you know I like the conceptual stuff but I think you really have to pay attention to what people are looking at and has to draw them in so I'm still tied to that uh, visual side of things, even though there might be, you know, some deeper meaning to it that some people might get into. I, 
you know, I still always wanted to have like something that people could appreciate just seeing in person. Sure. Um, and I think that there is like, you have to be careful of like kitsch, right? Yeah. Like, and yeah. do you ever, do you ever worry about, um, like pigeonholing yourself? So like I, I Jeff Soto was on the show and he, he made a, a comment about being concerned about being the robot guy. Like am yeah. I the fucking robot painter guy? And so do you ever, uh, get any concerns, uh, with being with any uh, with a particular focus, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, you know, if you kind of look back through my, the last ten years of my work, I've just bounced around so much. I mean, not necessarily always with the themes, but the styles. Um, but I don't know. I've kind of had the attitude like I need a voice first before I can start speaking out. You know, I I feel like I need to have somewhere some little foot in the door before I can start just just like going all over the place but i would love to be at the point when i could do that and people would still pay attention to my work but i, I guess i'm a little scared that if I, if it's all over the place then people won't you know it's like curators and collectors they like to sort of be able to put you in a category and yeah, yeah it sucks but at the same time it it sort of helps you get somewhere i get i don't know maybe that's a bad attitude to have but. no 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 i mean it, it's it's like this i this continual problem of um artistic integrity versus realistic business practice yeah as an yeah. artist you know and mm-hmm. there has to be a, a balance in between there i find yeah. i i think being all over the place for myself is one of my uh faults which kind of inhibits some of my gallery relationships or curator yeah. relationships because I'm changing. Like I'm so bipolar in the work that I make. Luckily, I'm not that bipolar in real life, but like super bipolar <laughs> in the work that I make. Mm-hmm. Like just from one day to the next, I'd be like, "Fuck it, I'm just gonna change the whole shit." Yeah, I mean it's hard. I think you know, in like the whole information age and all that, we're we're just so overwhelmed with imagery and ideas, and it's just so there's so much stuff coming at us. I know. I wake so. up every day angry at the internet now. Yeah, <laughs> just because of all the information that comes in now, I I just get angry at it every morning, but I still digest it. Yeah, that's the sign of a problem, huh? Right? Yeah, it's nice to sort of check out every once in a while. I think I know, and that, maybe that's a good segue to this sort of um, isolationist nature <laughs> environment that you seem to place yourself in on a semi regular basis. Uh, so. For the people that don't know, you do, you've done commercial fishing, merchant marine work. Um, yeah, you've been out on some gnarly seas. You've been up in Alaska. You've been all over, right? Yeah, yeah. I've done a lot of random little venues uh, in the maritime trade, I guess. Now, but. I'm I'm curious how that become. So you mentioned um, uh, doing your schooling in Florida. Uh, how does this, so, you know, like most of us know that these types of jobs are some of like the most dangerous jobs known to man, like in terms of (laughs) like, you know, high risk. Um, how is it that you, you know, you get involved in something like that? You mentioned getting on some boats early and be, you know, growing up in a Bay town, you know, you have, uh, you have options to that. But I mean, I grew up in fucking San Diego and Uh I'm not fucking getting on a boat in Alaska and 
Oh, there's some high shoes up there. I'm, that's one of like a huge fear of mine, like being out in the middle of the ocean and the boat not floating anymore, or yeah. like rogue waves. Like I watch all those fucking YouTube rogue wave videos, and that shit scares the <laughs> fuck out of me. I can't yeah, imagine. Yeah. Or I just watched The Wolf of Wall Street not that long ago, and that scene with him on the yacht. The fuck, dude. Fuck that. I would lose my shit. <laughs> I haven't seen it. I have a real fear yeah, of having... Drug waves are scary. Dude, having to float in an ocean for 24 hours or like some long period of time seems like the most daunting task ever. <laughs> it's kind of... It's weirdly calming, though. Oh, when you get okay, out. man, shit. So tell me how that works, please. <laughs> well, um, I mean, I guess which... But jump back. I want to know how you how it like which, began. Did What did your folks do, for instance? Did your folks have any yeah, crazy they, jobs? No, they weren't really connected to the sea. I, I mean, uh, my dad's an attorney, and um, and my mom's you know done a bunch of different stuff, real estate, and and worked at a school in, in San Jose and stuff. But uh, but no, my my grandfather on my mom's side, um, he lived in Santa Cruz. I had a lot of family over in Santa Cruz, so I was there a lot, and that's kind of was my first introduction to the ocean and everything. But, um, you know, he restored some old fishing boats, and so I remember going out on them. And um, But, you know, it was more just of a personal interest, I think. Uh, read some, like, I got into surf. I got into sort of that Santa Cruz surf scene and stuff as a kid right. and just was sort of uh, enamored with it. And I think being a kid from over the hill in San Jose, I was always, like, really, like, I was on the outskirts, you know. I didn't really belong, so I was so – I just – thought that was amazing but um but yeah i mean that then i started working on um a sailboat and uh it was a tall ship like you guys in san diego had that tall ship the the californian and the star of india i think yeah it's just like a crazy community of tall ship people but um bunch of fucking pirates i think that's what that yeah like. yeah that's the thing it's like so much of that scene is weird it's like dress up you know but it <laughs> you know they do really do sail the ships and they have races they have all sorts of you know you can travel up and all over the world it really yeah you can see them go they go through the harbor um down mm-hmm. in downtown in little italy area like right down by the uh the airport in downtown san diego yeah and they're always out yeah so that kind of led to just other boats and then just being in a harbor at, uh, I transferred over to Santa Barbara, UC Santa Barbara. So I was there and that, you know, led to commercial fishing, like on the Channel Islands down there for crab and lobster. So let, and let's that, talk about that for a minute. Um, yeah. what, uh, what are some of your thoughts on the issues of like overfishing, um, the problems? Of, so I, I just watched this documentary that uh, Motherboard, the, like the Vice show put out. Uh, about, uh, you know, like something like uh, 80% of the fish that we get in the market is farm, farmed fish. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And some of the like serious problems of shallow water farm fishing. And this guy was yeah. building, so this guy built these huge fucking domes that he was farm fishing in the deep sea. And it was, you know, much less impact wow. on the ecological system. Yeah. Um, Solved a bunch of problems, but you know it's still a real major issue. So, do you have any? Uh, I don't know if you have any sort of like activist ideas, or you know, do you, are are these things important to you? Um, yeah, or like definitely. or from that perspective, like from the fisherman side, you know, usually we see hunters are also a lot of times conservationists if they're not just like total dickheads. You yeah, know, yeah. It's a lot totally. of times those are the people who are in the environment that they're trying to 
to help. Um, yeah. Do you see that from the commercial fisherman side, or is it like overrun with the business aspect of people fucking greed and money and like, you know, just getting as much as we can? Because it it seems like there's some some real issues going on, right? Yeah, definitely. There's there's a whole bunch of um, really gnarly bad fisheries going on and you know a lot of that has to do also with economic issues with the countries that are out there doing the fishing and what resources they have available so you know there's always two sides to everything but um but yeah you know you've i think someone who eats seafood you should really try to educate yourself on it you know don't eat pretty much don't eat tuna although you know a lot of line caught albacore is is fine um and and kind of caught responsibly but you know there's a if, if you look at like the monterey bay aquarium they have a list of uh of fish fisheries and sort of what they suggest as um good practices and bad bad ones yeah. but you know the one word the one i'm doing up in alaska is um is wild caught uh salmon and it's just like the, the system is really well managed um because of what's going on the fish are coming back to land and we're catching them right as they're going up the river. So they physically have people counting them go as they go up and they'll say, okay, we've got enough up river where enough will spawn to come back in future years. So you guys can catch. And so they'll sort of also use us as a tool to sort of thin out parts of the run. It's just really well done. Um, yeah. and it's, it's proven that, they're getting stronger and, and we've got really huge runs this year, last year was the biggest I've ever seen in, in 10 years. And, um, this year is supposed to be bigger the prediction. So certain fisheries like that, you know, you can really, really use science, um, to your advantage, but other ones, you know, like way out to sea, it's just, it's a different ball game. And yeah. I think practice, certain practices like per saining, you know, you're just going to catch a whole bunch of shit and it's not going to be necessarily what you want. So you're just going to have to dump a bunch of stuff overboard. So long lining, you know, can be pretty gnarly. There's just a lot of stuff that's not super ecologically uh, responsible. So what happens? Does So like for in your instance, is it a company choosing to uh, act responsibly or is it a government, uh, you know, yeah. setting regulations? Yeah, we're all, we're all managed up in Alaska by um, – the Alaska Department of Fish and Game. So it's a, you know, it's a government deal and they're, they're using all these scientists and volunteers and, um, they can take a scale sample from a fish as it comes into the Bay, Bristol Bay, and they can say, okay, this fish is going to go to this river. So we're going to allow this other river to fish or, you know, they, they do it all really. It's way over my head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. it's, it's nice to talk to somebody who's actually in that environment, right? Instead of just like, just talking shit about some documentary that I saw. Yeah. <laughs> and we also, we have a real issue with rising sea levels too, which I assume has some sort of effect on this type of environment, this type of work, um, the ecological systems that will be replaced and changed with, with uh, Greenland and, uh, you know, the Arctic fucking melting. You know, yeah. I, I imagine we're going to see some big changes in the way commercial fishing would work as well right yeah yeah i mean i think all that stuff you know we don't know the impacts that it's it's going to have on our fishery and i mean yeah it's going to be we'll see what happens i know i think uh i think we're gonna 
lose all the ice. I think it looks like the the set pattern. Mm-hmm. Unless we hit some strange like ice age again somehow. I don't know what sets an ice age off necessarily. Yeah. It might be like meteor impact or something. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm not sure what what besides like just cyclical nature of things. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um, it's cool. Let's talk about your work a little bit for maybe people that don't know. Um, I think the work that you've been doing lately. Uh, I think you mentioned uh, what like I wrote down a, a phrase that you like 18th century um, etchings. I think mm-hmm. there's a, a sort of uh, woodblock sort of illustrative nature to the stuff that you're doing a lot of line work which i find fucking super awesome like i'm always like i'm so intrigued by how a solid line going from thin to thick can change the aspect of a shape and create imagery just Mm -hmm. with the most minor of detail changes you know yeah. Just the brush stroke having more pressure than it did the moment before and adding lines together. Uh, the work is super detailed. Like it looks like it probably takes you a long time. But I imagine that you're able to do it super fast. Like you have some sort of like like superhero technique that you like bang. <laughs> no, I wish. Because <laughs> it looks daunting. That's what I like. I like works when there's a ton of marks on something. And it's like, yeah. how could somebody sit down and make all those marks? Yeah, yeah. I know, I wish I could say, like, oh, it's really meditative, but no, I'm just, like, banging my head against the table all the like, time. Like, why am I doing this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why did I start this three lines in? You're like, motherfucker. <laughs> so you definitely have, like, you know, like an old-time illustration style. Um, like I said, wood blocks or a linoleum print. Like, almost, I like it, the work has a print aspect to it, but I assume you're you're using, like, ink. Yeah, yeah, and... um. And actually, I got a tip from you on one of your episodes. You talked about mixing gouache in with the ink. And I've been gouache doing, uh, Yeah, yeah. That's, that's been a good technique. Yeah, kind of nice. makes it way more solid. Um, so, yeah, I've been trying to do that. Um, you know, I was using some microns for a while and, like, f- trying to, like, fool around with, like, old school, um, like, uh, like the oblique pens and, like, some old uh, glass pen I got off my grandfather. Yeah. But, uh but yeah, I'm trying to just get back to just the brush and, and like, you know, if I make a mistake, it's kind of part of it or it makes it look more, you know, hand done, I guess, or something. Yeah. Cause there's, you just can't really erase those lines. They're just down there. <laughs> yeah. So, and that's the thing there's in that, in that method there, it, there is no room for mistake. Mistake yeah. is a part of the piece. Yeah. Yeah. If you're doing just ink to paper or ink to board or whatever. I mean, I guess you, there's things that you could do, but. Yeah, if you, I mean, if, I, I like to use like this really thick, um, like cold press paper, and you can sort of hack at it with like a razor blade, but there's only so much you can do. <laughs> Cut out chunks of the paper. Yeah. Um, and you, you mentioned that you had done photography too. You sort of have taken, uh, like, uh, it's funny, I'm, the podcast is uh, evolving into making little mini documentaries too. And it seems mm-hmm. like you, the way that you've worked and like with your photography work as well, you've sort of started to almost make like a documentary of your life to a certain extent. And I guess that's what we're all kind of doing. But yeah. I think uh, you have there's like a f- a film aspect to it. It seems like there's a, a the, like you seem like a storyteller, maybe. And that's yeah. just my just assumption from looking at what you've done. 
No, totally. I mean, I, I actually did make a little short documentary just on um, like my first ship container ship that I caught. It was like a six month job. Um, but yeah, I think I realized I do kind of enjoy telling stories, but I think I also enjoy how, you know, you sort of look back like nostalgia kicks in on like shipping and going to sea, you know, I'm always, I'm always like kind of yearning to get back to sea, but then when I'm actually at sea, I'm like, man, I just want to go home. You know, this is kind of, <laughs> what, what am I doing out here? That's so weird, right? What is yeah. that about? That happens with travel. I get that feeling yeah. a lot, like going just to a different city for a few days. Like as soon mm -hmm. as I get there, I'm like fuck home feels so much better but then there's the, like the excitement for a minute but the yeah. nostalgia right that kicks in it's like the that's homesickness right yeah yeah and i think stuff related to the sea is is always like that and you know just the way like photos are sort of like this memory but they're not real you know it's like all kind of skewed through this lens and i don't know i think all that stuff's interesting and and um what is it I about used... the sea that draws people out there yeah, I don't know, you know, there's so much to it. I yeah, like you were saying about being pigeonholed, I I think I'll probably always make work sort of related to the sea, but I don't really I, I just see it as so much room for m metaphor and and yeah. you know, it, it's kind of endless and Well, it's like know. the original home one, you know, like yeah. we are all fish. We were all yeah. we are all something that came out of the ocean at some point. Um, yeah. But it is and you know, you you mentioned surfing, it's a it's Fairly, it's obvious. Like all my surfer friends are super addicted to being in the ocean. Um, yeah, as a surfer, you just sit there and stare at the horizon line for you know like fifty percent of your life or yeah. something. And you really sort of get in tune with it as well, right? Like I feel like yeah. people who are in the ocean a lot feel like they're uh, like a part of it. Yeah, is yeah, that, definitely. Because I definitely get in the ocean. I'm like, this is a separate body than my own. <laughs> like I, and not that like. I'm not that, it's not that I'm like that uncomfortable, but it just doesn't feel like that's where I belong. Yeah. Like I feel like well, a stranger in that land. Really? Yeah. Even like body surfing? You don't like body surfing at all? I mean, I did it as a kid, but like yeah. not, it's it's not something that like I focus my time towards. And and yeah. I, you know, sometimes I wish that I did. Like I'm all maybe like a, envious of that, like connect, like that connection to nature I think yeah. I, I sort of miss out on sometimes, you know, just, but I mean, I guess there's plenty of things to do, but, you know, I think that's because, especially with my proximity being so close to the Pacific Ocean, you know, in comparison yeah. to a vast majority of the people in the country. But I don't know. It just, it didn't draw me in, but like, I love like old timey, like, uh, like Irish folk songs about being on the ocean, like uh -huh. old, like, um, scrimshaw shit is some of my favorite shit, which is yeah, yeah kind of yeah. goes along. Have you ever done any scrimshaw? <laughs> I've been trying to do it. I probably shouldn't even like talk about it, but um, I've been trying to do it on like this old, you know, those like um, what do they drink in like Cancun or like those plastic like yard cups? You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's not That's working so at all. But I really want to do like spring break scrimshaw with like crappy like I don't know because they you know I saw this exhibit of scrimshaw and it was always like yeah this was probably from the deckhand on some whaling blah 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 and it's yeah. like semi pornographic like crude carvings you know. <laughs> That's a good idea, man. Nobody steal that copyright. Copyright. Nobody I don't know if it'll ever happen. Yeah, you got to find the right cups. 
Yeah, I've been working on it. It's more like uh, getting the ink to sit in plastic. It doesn't really work like bone, you know. But yeah, to stay in the creases. Does it? Yeah. Sink, does it sink into? It sinks into the cup too, right? Like it just stains the cup. Does um, it wash off, or does it all wash off? It kind. Of, do you want to see it? I can show you whatever. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. I want to know. Yeah, okay. I, well, I've done a couple. Like I did um, two on. Uh, like bull horns, I guess. Uh-huh. I think that's what yeah. it was. It was fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of satisfying. Just like whittling, but, you know, you get to actually see something. Yeah. Have you ever, like, I- I'm curious about some of, like, the gnarly moments out at sea. Okay. Like, has, there, uh, has there been anything, like, that scared the shit? So, uh, like, a few years, and this is something I wanted to talk to you about, too, like, because uh, shipping containers show up in your work a lot. And but yeah. they it, lately they've been showing up in the water themselves, not on the uh, shipping boats anymore. Yeah. Um, I had spent, and I've talked about this on the show a bunch of times, but I've I spent like hours watching all the Japanese tsunami footage and uh-huh. watching the ocean like take over all of everything. There was one shot where it was just like uh, it looked like a like a bay spot where they had just a stacks just stacks of shipping containers that were like on land getting ready to get on a boat uh-huh. or dock or whatever whatever the phrase would be and <laughs> they had all been washed out from the tsunami and it was yeah. just looked like miles of shipping containers and it was like really beautiful like it was destructive as hell but it was really a beautiful sight and i ended up um doing a little painting of it but then i saw mary iverson's work and mm-hmm. she does a bunch of like shipping container things too. Yeah, yeah. Like they were like the same colors and because well, like they're they're typically like a few sets of colors. Like they have some colors that are that show up pretty often. Yeah. And uh, I, so I was like, "Fuck, I can't do that anymore." <laughs> it's so nice. You obviously do something <laughs> completely different. It doesn't look anything like that. But um, I'm curious if uh, if you've had any gnarly experiences with the with the ocean being a motherfucker to you. Yeah, just like in terms of big storms and stuff, um, for sure. Um, hit some pretty gnarly weather in the Mediterranean last like spring. I was out there, and we actually passed a ship that had just dumped like 500 containers out in a storm in the Atlantic. Um, it's crazy, you know. And a lot of it just doesn't make the news. You only sort of hear of it. J- just a few weeks ago in Oakland, they um, – some longshoremen just like with the crane knocked like four containers off of a ship while they were loading it. And they didn't tell anybody they were like floating around the Oakland <laughs> estuary. And, uh, yeah, the longshoremen are really funny. They're and still like, usually have you know. people's products in them, right? Like that. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I've been working for the pilots this year, like the bar pilots in San Francisco. I just left the job, but, uh, for like the last six months and, there was some pretty gnarly stuff in the bay. I, I we came across a jumper like right after he jumped off the bridge. That was pretty in, intense. Um, that's still uh, a pretty regular occurrence now. Oh yeah, way too often. Um, yeah, most of my coworkers that have been working there for a while have seen it, and you know, yeah, it was intense. It shook me up. It was right after the holidays. So, so what do you have to do in that instance? Do you call the Coast Guard? Do you guys have to deal? With yeah. No, the Coast Guard, they've got a station real close to there on the, on the north side of the Golden Gate, and they 
can sort of jam out real quick. Um, and so we just sort of stood by cause we knew they were on their way, but you know, I'm like looking at this guy trying to figure out if there's signs of life and like, should I jump in the water? Should I try to do something? Um, while they're coming out, it was really kind of nerve wracking and I couldn't yeah. tell. I don't, I don't think he was alive. Anyways, I don't want to bring this podcast down too much, but no, well, I mean, that's, I mean, this, these are the things that are interesting. Yeah. I mean, even though yeah. it's obviously sad, it's something that happens all the time, but uh, yeah, like, you know, these are the types of things that people who aren't out there, you know, they're not seeing. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy how many people. I think it's the impact. The, the, I think the impact of hitting the water from that height kills you pretty, pretty fast. Yeah, but there's been. I think this year, earlier this year, there was like a high school kid who was walking across with his class, and they dared him to jump off, and he did it, and he lived. <laughs> and like, well, I, up. I imagine Plus, if you hit it just right, you could probably. Yeah. But did he break bone? He didn't. He didn't get hurt. I think he had like some bruised ribs or something. I, he jumped off at like Dude, so kind of a lower part of it, like closer to the surf spot, like on the San Francisco side. So maybe there was more like aeration in the water or something, but he got really lucky. That's the bottom line. And he's an idiot for jumping. Insane, man. I can't even yeah. imagine. Well, we have the Coronado Bridge here. But oh, yeah. I don't, whether, I don't know if we just don't hear about it, but there's not nearly the amount of of jumpers there but it yeah. does it does stop traffic it, maybe it's because the the golden gate bridge is also open to foot traffic right like you could ride your bike across it, you could walk across yeah 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 that's probably the name i don't think you you can't walk across the coronado bridge you find a couple stories of people on the coronado bridge threatening to jump but yeah not, it happens not like like by the thousands or something like that yeah sometimes people just stop their car get out and jump and then their their bodies wash out really fast because of the current. It like takes them out to the fucking to the ocean. Yeah, it's gnarly. So yeah. yeah, all right, yeah, you really fucking took it down. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, dude, I yeah. want. I'm surprised. I'm interested. Have you ever done any of like the old uh, like sea monster illustrations? Have I just did been? one. Um... I've got this like octopus. Actually, it's right here. I can I can show you. <laughs> Not the best radio I know for no, viewers at home, but yeah, a little nice. sea monster holding a container. No, I'd like to do more. I mean, yeah, I'm interested in all that stuff, like all the old kind of mythic uh, sea stuff. And uh-huh. it's always fun to try to figure out what they were actually seeing. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. just an artist's interpretation. So it's like we we put all this like mythical like weirdness to those old maps and those old illustrations it's always i get that way when people start talking about like cave paintings or like or even like you know like art from like the you know the aztec era or whatever like they're like oh this means this this and this and the world is coming to an end or whatever the fuck and it's like i can make some shit right now that don't that don't mean shit and maybe somebody sees it fucking five thousand years from now you gonna tell me that they're gonna make like some fucking yeah. like acknowledgement <laughs> to some past god and some prediction of the future? I don't know, man. Like your war paint photos? Yeah, yeah. yeah it like could be there, anything. There'd be like that was a that was a thing back then. Yeah, like people had orange heads. People had orange on their face. It was just how they were. Or there was aliens and your blue people <laughs> that you guys that you paint blue are. Yeah, you know, yeah. Those were old alien gods. <laughs> 
we put so much like attached so much like realness to things that might have just been like some bullshit. Well, yeah. which were most likely some bullshit. But I love those old, like, and you could tell, like, of course, I'm sure, like, creatures coming up out of the ocean when you're in your wooden boat, like, trying to cross the fucking sea could be scary <laughs> as fuck. Yeah. And some, like, great white sharks back in the 1800s. Fuck <laughs> that shit. Imagine that. That'd be scary as fuck. So it makes sense why those like illustrations, like the fucking the fish look like lions and like things that they've seen on land before. Yeah, you know, like yeah. they transfer like the most like weird like bears. Like maybe they saw some fucking grizzly bears. So all of a sudden, the things coming out of the ocean on the maps look like grizzly bear fish and shit. <laughs> so uh, what do you have coming up? Um, I know you've been doing uh, a bunch of uh, group shows lately. You got anything yeah. on the horizon that we could look forward to? Um, yeah, a couple group shows still up. Um, one, the FFDG one's coming down probably this weekend. And then, um, but yeah, seeing things gallery is opening up tonight. So I'm heading down and, uh, your buddy, um, Michael Shung is in that. Uh huh. Nice. And a bunch of other folks. Yeah, and I then, think I um, saw the flyer for that today. Yeah. And then, um, this little deal at the Incline Gallery. It's pretty. Uh, Andreas Guerrero and uh, Matt Gonzalez, some other San Francisco guys, are put together this thing called Benefit for the Artists. Just because you know, there's so many times that artists get asked to like donate their works to uh, <laughs> some cause. You know, uh-huh, yeah, for sure. So these, so this is like 100 percent go to the artists of, if, of the sales. So it's pretty sweet. Nice, that's <laughs> sweet fucking deal. awesome. Yeah, that that's coming up mid month. <laughs> cool, man. Well, yeah. hey, Martin, I want to thank you for, for taking the time to shoot the shit with us. Did you, was there anything else you wanted to get out there? You feel good? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, man, it's good to um, to get to know you a little bit in the um, the digital form. Next time I'm in, I'm, I'm trying to make a San Francisco trip here soon. It's been a little yeah. while. But I was up uh, in the summer. I think I want to come up next, this coming up summer. Cool, yeah, let me know. So we'll cool. get together. Each person. All right, brother. Uh, let's. Uh, where can people find your work? Plug your website and maybe your Instagrams or your Facebooks. Sure, it's just my name a whole bunch of times. Um, MartinMachado.com. <laughs> <laughs> I think my Instagram is the same, Martin Machado, and yeah, probably the same for Facebook. So. All right, nice. We'll try to link you through the uh, the podcast stuff as well. Cool. All right, my brother. I want to uh, thank you again for taking the time to shoot the shit with us. Let's do internet dap. Yeah, of course. Bam. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. All right. Have have a good day. Later. See ya. All right. Yep. That was our talk with Martin. Pretty fun, huh? Yeah, dude. He does some crazy shit. Fuck. (laughs) It makes me so scared. Like I have, like I'll. It's not that I have nightmares, but I'll like sit and think, like, what if I was on a boat in the middle of the ocean and it sunk, and I had to like wade in like shark infested water for more than two minutes. I think. (laughs) I'd pull like the whole nights thing and just go out like, just take my own life. Like, you just sink. Yeah, I just sink. There's no. Dude, way. you know how hard it is to make yourself yeah, breathe underwater. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. Yeah, it's so crazy. Y- your mind wants to end it, but then your body, your instincts, like, you. yeah, it won't let you. Yeah. But if you're like out and all you see is water on every single side you look, that's. Just that's trying to float, like flat float, and not fall asleep. <sighs> Luckily, I'm a little chubby, so I'm, I got some buoyancy just yeah. in case. <laughs> All right, brother. Thanks right. again. No Later. 
first I come to Liverpool, I went upon a spree. Me money at last I spent too fast, got drunk as drunk could be. And when my money was all gone, twas then I wanted more. But a man must be blind to make up his mind to go to see once more. I spent the night with Angeline, too drunk to roll in bed. My watch was new and my money too, in the morning with them she fled. And as I roamed the streets about, the horse they all would roll. Here comes Jack Rack, the young sailor lad, he must go to sea once more. Catching none with a twenty-foot oar 
cocked in our hands from four o'clock in the morn. And when the shades of night come in, we rest on our weary old. Twas then I wished that I was dead or safe with the girls ashore. Come all you bold seafaring men And listen to my song Have you come off of them long trips I'd have yours not go wrong Take my advice, drink no strong drink Don't go sleeping with no holes Get married lads and have all night in So you'll go to see no more.